Hello and welcome to In The Money Media special presentation with Santa Anita Park going over the pick six on Santa Anita opening day, which is this Friday. What date is that? That's going to be, uh, my watch just did something funny to me, Friday, September 29th. Really excited to have Santa Anita back. Really excited to have this $1 pick six back. And that's where we're going to start our conversation with our two panelists today, two people. If I'm betting racing in Southern California, I'm really not wanting to do so uh, fully until I talk to these two men. We'll, we'll start with a man who's been on these airwaves a ton recently covering uh, Del Mar most recently. Uh, he has done a fantastic job for us on the In The Money Plus side as well with his frankly speaking column. Frank Scatoni, how have you been? I've been hibernating, Pete, but uh, you, you woke me from my slumber after the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Del Mar was, uh, was a pedal to the metal. It was so much fun. It was a great summer. Uh, took a little freshening, and now I uh, can't wait to start digging into some great fall racing. It's always one of my favorite times of the year. I like that image of you, you know, going into some sort of cybernetic uh, chamber for, for three <laughs> weeks and now emerging uh, tanned, rested, and ready. We're also going to bring in a man who's uh, been on this air, these airways plenty this year, though though not really since uh, much earlier in the year. We're so glad to have him back, one of the most popular guests in the history of this platform. He's Duke Matisse. Duke, how are things? Everything's all right, Pete. Uh, I spent the summer at Saratoga, so you know how that went. <laughs> rain, 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 rain. Not, not a meet that will... Uh, that, I have so many great memories of Saratoga, and a couple of them are from this summer, but it, 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 uh, I hear you as far as that goes. Turning attention out west to California, good for the soul in many ways. Obviously, we still uh, battle through the raindrops on the East Coast as well, but there's something nice about having racing in the mountains, and there's something nice about having this $1 pick six back. I know, Duke, this is a bet you've lobbied for for a minute. What does it like about the $1 pick six? Well, I mean, it's first of all, it's not a jackpot wager. That's that's the number one thing. Um, number two, I like that they went from two dollars to one dollar because you can play, you know, a better ticket. You know, you can get more coverage with a dollar. So uh, that's number two. And and uh, I just I despise jackpot wagers. So I mean, I just don't think they're they don't show any. They don't they don't really do anything for the true uh, handicapper. I mean. Get, they're they're more like playing roulette in Vegas. So, so for yeah. for me, it's it's uh it's back to uh, something that will get me interested in the races again because California racing's been a little bit dull at Santa Anita at times, and I think maybe this meet would be uh, good if we can get a few carryovers too and and get it rolling. Maybe I can hit one. The one dollar seems like that sweet spot where you're still going to get carryovers. You can construct smarter tickets, and the jackpot bets right. They're either random or their benefits for the computer players, neither of which uh, do anything for the likes of us. Frank, how about you? You excited? I know you're a very disciplined player. I'll see you go to the track and make you know one or two bets a day. But will this $1 pick six get you a little bit more interested in attacking these horizontals? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, for the exact same reasons that uh, that Duke mentioned. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention is, too, you know, if you talk to a lot of the old school players, one of the things that they loved about the traditional jackpot is uh, a chart. You know, you hit five or six, you at least get something back, and you live to fight another day. You can reinvent, you can reinvest that money into the next sequence, uh, the next day, and hopefully, if you hit six or six, you can you can hit something pretty big. But you know, if you miss that one leg, which seems to be the horse player's amount, three or four, four or five, five or six, at least you get a little something back that you can, uh, you know, 
put back in your bank roll and like I said, reinvest the next day. And I do, I like the $1 minimum. Um, I didn't mind the $2 minimum, but um, you know, like Duke said, it allows us to spread a little more, but without the, the, the main computer guys buying every single combination under the sun, because then it gets such get really, really expensive for them, uh, more affordable for, for me. And uh, that's where my handicapping can really shine. You know, I feel like I can have a little bit of a separator there uh, based on my skill set as opposed to just buying races. Yeah. Let's dive in to this pick six on Friday. We start off with race number four. We've got a $16,000 claimer. Phillies and mares three and up going a mile short field here to get things started. Is this a case? You guys were both uh, very friendly with my uh, my old pal, uh, Jeff Sotman, very important guy in uh, handicapping contest history. And I remember when a race like this would come up, uh, what would he sometimes say? He'd say, short field, long price. Is that what we could be looking at, Frank? Well, that's exactly what I wrote down in my notes. Sure, you know, I wrote to quote Jeff Sotman, short field, long price. <laughs> um, I, uh, I did not like this race at all. Um, you know, going with that short field, long price theory, uh, you know, I looked really, really long and hard at number six point and shoot. I know this horse looks, you know, really slow on paper, but I thought three things stood out. You know, first off, Ian Cooljack is a very, uh, very good trainer with the turf to dirt move, which this horse is doing today. Second, if you look at Cooljack's uh, stats, it's 29% dirt races. That's pretty darn good. And this horse has mostly been racing on the turf. I know the horse has two turf races and she wasn't really any good but, you know, they were against better horses. So, you know, maybe you just draw lines through them, pretend they never happened. And then, uh, you know, this is a, a the lowest level for this horse. And then lastly, Pereira, in my opinion, more than any other jock on this circuit, he rides home some horses. You look on paper and go, this horse had no shot. Um, and yet, you know, they're the horses in the winner's circle. So I was going to get a little clever. I was going to use point and shoot as an A just because, I wasn't crazy about anybody else. And then I did think that number five, Sweet Below, the morning line favorite, um, you know, had a big shot, set a quick pace uh, last time off a three-month layoff, weakened to finish third. She figures to move forward off that. She's drawn well. She can either be the controlling speed or if Maldonado wants to kind of just sit back and stalk a little bit, uh, he can do that with her as well. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't feel that good about those two horses. You know, I could use a couple of other Bs underneath, which I hate to do in, a, in such a short field, but no one really stands out to me here. Six and five on the A-line, not a lot of conviction. Duke, how about you? How do you want to light this candle? Yeah, I'm, sim I'm similar to Frank. The race isn't much um, that we start out with. The races do get better as we go on. Uh, this race, I think, goes through the five sweet hello. If, the, if they let her alone on the lead, it's probably over. And even if she stalks, it might be over because Miss Kaline is not much of an animal. And if she goes to the lead and Sweet Alo stalks, I think it's just uh, a matter of if Sweet Alo doesn't show up, it's a, it's probably the way this race goes. If she doesn't show up, then horses like Point and Shoot can win, horses like like no other can win. But otherwise, I think if Sweet Alo runs a race, she wins. Gotcha. In terms of your pick six action, how much, what percentage of it do you think will be going through Sweet Hello? How much will you reserve for those backup scenarios? Uh, probably 50% on Sweet Hello, I would say. Maybe a little bit higher. I would say something in 50 to 60% range. Gotcha. All right. Some numbers to use to get things started there at Santa Anita. We'll move on to this uh, two-year-old Calbred Maiden Special Weight 
going six furlongs on the turf. We will be able to uh, get a little bit of a window here into the first-time starters through the double pool, though they don't necessarily look like the ones you want. But I don't know. I don't want to speak for you guys. Duke, what numbers are you looking at in race number five? Uh, I narrowed it down to a few here. Um, the two, Potito, the seven, Immelman, the nine, Nestucca, and the ten don't hit me back that's that's if uh they one through ten stay together and no also eligibles draw in um but the one i like the best is nestuka uh horse had a super wide trip at del mar that day which i thought was one of the days that um played towards the inside a little bit and she was uh sick or he was six seven wide uh and uh doesn't really have the greatest breeding for turf but it's not bad either so in this field i think that would be my top choice. And uh, I'm a little interested, and I haven't spoken to my, my man, Edward Freeman, yet. Uh, don't hit me, Bash has got some breeding. I don't know about the, you know, why they didn't go to Square Eddie, because this horse has been bred to Square Eddie every year. They went to Mrazic. Uh, I want to get his thoughts on that. Maybe uh, that horse might be worth throwing in. And uh, I talked about Petito. She got, or he got left last time in uh, from a, two one posts at Del Mar. That's pretty tough to do as a, as a two-year-old and uh, got left last time. Should, sh probably should like the grass. Doesn't have anything major there to tell me he will, but uh, that would be my third choice. So nine, 10, two, maybe seven, who is a horse that just, I might throw it. Did you, you mentioned about the AEs. Was there one on there you were particularly interested in or were you just thinking you'd look at the race again if, uh, if one of those AEs sneaks in? The 13 is interesting. See, that's the, that's the other Redham horse. So that horse is interesting. So um, I, that, that one I worry about if it draws in. Maroon there in the 13, but certainly uh, it's, it's notable. It's an interesting turf breeding, right, with Warfront there on the yeah. damp side uh, being by Nyquist. Maybe one to, to pay attention to, if not for this race, for another turf appearance down the line. Frank, let's bring you back in to get your thoughts. Yeah, I tried to dig a little bit into the into the pedigree stuff as well, and um, I do agree with Duke that uh, number ten don't hit me bash uh, probably have the best turf sprint pedigree in the race. Um, that being said, I always like to look for you know a first or second uh, second or third time starter when it comes to these uh, you know turf sprints. Uh, you know five furlongs at Del Mar I don't mind so much, but as you start getting into you know six six and a half. Um, I like to have that little bit of foundation. Uh, you know, nothing clever here. I thought number two, Potito, uh, was going to be pretty solid. Makes his third career start for a patient trainer, so should be sitting on a peak effort. Adds Blakers, uh, as Duke mentioned, breaking from the rail at Del Mar in those dirt races was not optimum. The horse broke slowly uh, both times and, and you know, really never had much of a shot. So I think the addition of Blakers, will really, really help. And so will getting off the rail. Um, you know, I also have, I've notes, uh, you know, Quigley and I, we keep a little database and whatnot. And uh, last time this horse ran, uh, we made a note that, you know, when Brad Free did his write-up uh, post-race, he thought that the horse uh, should like turf. And that was corroborated with optics notes. So I got, you know, two, two, two sources that I rely on for that kind of stuff to say that this horse should be just fine on turf. So, um, I thought two, two Petito was going to be tough. Um, I agree with the other horses that Duke mentioned. I'll just throw a couple of others out there that I thought um, <clears throat> could be a little sneaky. Well, he mentioned number seven, Immelman. Um, you know, a lot of speed. Hasn't shown much stamina in dirt races, but 
you know, that kind of speed is hard to ignore uh, when it comes to turf sprints. And the dam was a turf sprinter. So there is a little bit, a little bit of pedigree there. And uh, another one I was looking at was number five, Whiskey Rye. One of two Timyatin runners. Doesn't look like much on paper, but, you know, he's only had one race. I thought he ran in spots in his debut. I thought he was another one who should appreciate a move to the lawn after that dirt race. Uh, he has a sibling who won four races on the turf, including two turf sprints. So I thought that, coupled with normal second out improvement, made him a contender. Uh, but, you know, this, yeah, this is a pretty tough race. You know, like lightly race horses with not a lot of info to go on, switching from, you know, dirt to turf. <laughs> Be in a big full field, so it could get a little crazy. Uh, but I was going to use um, number two, Potito, as my lone A, and then my backups were going to be five, uh, seven, and four. And then I have to throw in the two that uh, Duke mentioned as well. So nine of the ten getting a yeah. get or, or the or the ten getting uh, uh, excuse me, I, I messed that up. The nine getting a little bit of a call, uh, from Frank as well as the ten who you mentioned a little bit earlier. Let's pivot to race number six. We've got Maiden Claimers, Calbreds, $50,000 level, six furlongs on the dirt. Frank, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, I, I wasn't super excited about, you know, anyone in here, but I did think the two Mark Latt runners made a lot of sense to me. So that's where most of my action will be, um, you know, in no particular order. Number two, Elton Sings, another uh Cool name right there with a little Elton John, uh, not a tip cap to Elton John there. Uh, that's the first slide. Huh? You, you, you know who did the first uh, interview in North America with Elton John, don't you? Uh, um, I think I could probably guess. <laughs> you know, your dad? My dad was he did the first when he came yeah. to uh, when he came through New York the first time before he was a megastar. So that we got. I'm definitely throwing that one in as a hunch play for the old man. But continue. Elton sings another six to one in. Uh, in her debut against Better Animal, she ran half a race. She had to rush up into a fast pace. She tired. Uh, I can forgive it. I'm not crazy that that race was won by an 0 for 15 maiden, but, you know, they were Calbred being special weights. These are Calbred 50s. So I expect this gal to fire today for a trainer who is really good with his second time starters. And then number seven, she's just fluffy. Uh, the other Glatt, uh, this is. Uh, her first start for Glad, she moved over from the Wani Barn. Uh, you know, she just had one start several months ago. She ran a decent third at 15 to one. She's had plenty of time to mature since that race. And, you know, you know, P, one of my favorite angles is Glad off layoff, uh, especially in sprint races. You can always get them ready to roll. And I particularly like it when he puts up a guy like Cedillo. You know, Cedillo is coming off an injury. We'll see how he does. But, um, you know, he's going to be hungry. He missed most of Del Mar, uh, you know, an unfortunate spill early in the season. So uh, seeing him come back and being hungry and maybe being aggressive in a spot like this, uh, I think that horse has a big shot. So you are in tune with Glatt historically, and I think that's a good angle just to monitor early in the beat about how Cidio does. You'll sometimes see these jocks on the comeback when they've, you know, they get their fitness back and they can go on some big runs potentially. Duke, how about you? Is it uh, is it going to be between these at the top of the market that Frank is talking about, or can we pull in something at a bit of a price? No, I think he's right on Elton. I think Elton sings an, uh, another is a much better name than Elton in a dress. So uh, <laughs> damn yeah. So I think Elton sings another. Uh, I mean, just the drop, uh, like Frank said, he 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 was involved in a fast pace. Uh, horses that 
usually drop uh, into these maiden ranks, uh, come off those fast paces. When they get loose, they usually just keep going. I see that here, um, unless she's she's just fluffy. The other glat is is much better than her first race. She did get left in her first start. I did a little bit of running, but that race wasn't very quick. Um, so I'm not doing anything tricky here. Just is would be my third choice, but that trainer is a very, very low percentage guy. Uh, Hector Berrios sticks with it, I guess. Uh, decent. I would go 275, nothing tricky. All right, race seven. $32,000 claimers, a mile on the turf, field of 10. What are your general thoughts on this race, Duke? One to narrow down, or, or do we have to cast a wider net? No, I like a horse in here, and, and the good thing about this race is a lot of times these turf races are like merry-go-round races at San Anita. They just horses get out there and, and, and go wear wearing. That's not going to happen here because um, you got horses like the nine, like Rota Love, who's got to show massive speed in this spot stretching out and uh the one uh work day who's got plenty of speed and uh the even the i think the three might show speed here in this spot so i'm going with number four uh lone scout has had two 10 posts at del mar um drops down to 32 just looks like a spot where he just fits perfectly i think he can stay a little closer with maldonado this time from a better post and uh sit one of those uh you know sitting third or fourth type trips and and run by these uh these speed type horses like um the nine the one the seven and the you know i think they're going to set it up for him i think that horse is just going to sit absolutely perfect and uh, if i had to use another one i'd use numero dicks jeff mullins hector barrios that horse is going to be running on late i just think the four might get away from him before he can get there oh, four ten. And it sounds like that might be an exacto worth playing too by your by your reckoning Duke with the ten, you know, to to get up late for second maybe. Yeah, you never know with pace. I mean, these guys all might rate, but I mean, I don't see a horse like the nine rating. So especially with a with a rider that you know comes from Los Al. So I, I I'm pretty confident they'll be pacing here. And I didn't even mention I didn't even mention uh, the seven who shows speed too at almost every race he's in. Um, so I I just see pace here, and I see a horse like Lone Scout getting a trip and. If not, numero dicks will get it. All right, there you go. We did get a question about when this sequence starts. 5.30 Eastern is the scheduled post time for this opening day pick six on this Friday. Hopefully, uh, you all will be uh, joining us for that as well. Frank, let's bring you in to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, Jude makes a great point. It's uh, always, uh, I have to remind myself that I need to make a paradigm shift after the Del Mar races into the Santa Anita turf races because... The Del Mar turf course, uh, in my opinion, is a lot more fair, and it does, uh, you know, and it tilts more towards horses who can <clears throat> who can finish. You get a lot more honest paces there. Uh, so I'm always looking for the strongest closer at Del Mar. Not necessarily the case at Santa Anita, like Duke said. A lot of these, you know, a lot of these turf races can be merry-go-round races. Uh, I look for horses who can show a little more speed and sit a little closer to the pace. But, you know, I still often like to find the horses who can finish strongly, uh, especially in a race like this where, I, where, as Duke mentioned, there should be a pretty decent pace. I was with him, number four, Lone Scout, you know, makes the third start of the form cycle after a very long layoff, drops to this low level for the first time. Uh, plus, as Duke mentioned, stuck in the 10 hole against better horses in his last two starts. It still managed to run really well. I thought number four, Lone Scout, was the horse to beat. Uh, but to what I was saying earlier, you know, also looking for horses who will be forwardly placed. 
I agree with you that there will be a lot of speed in here, and 34 Coupe does have speed, but I like that the blinkers come off. So I was kind of envisioning a little bit of a scenario where maybe Rispoli could kind of just suck that one back a little bit, let three other horses go, kind of suck back, and maybe just you know track those horses in a good spot, and then turning for home, that's the horse that'll get first run. So I was going to use number seven, 34 Coupe, also as an A. And then, you know, you have to look at, you know, the other off the pacers, number three, Aurelian Man, uh, certainly number 10, Numero Deet. And, uh, you know, you could even look at number five and six uh, if you really, really want to go spreading in here. Uh, but I, I do think Lone Scout is the horse to beat. And like I said, number seven, 34 Coupe will be my other A. Seeing the rates run where, you know, Rispoli, you can just suck back and plus it's the house horse owned by Aiden Butler. So, you know, you, <laughs> I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. It's, uh, and we had a Keith Brackpool runner earlier. Now yeah. we have an Aiden, but it's like Santanini past and present. Going I just noticed he was the owner. And not only that, uh, just to add something on that horse, that horse actually, you know, Rispoli is really, really good at making middle moves on turf. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, like Frank said, sit the first part, but then try to blow it open at some point and try to hang on, uh, He's really good at that, and uh, Papa Padromo had a horrible Del Mar meet, yeah. and he won, and he won some races at Los Alamitos, so he won three or four races over there. So he might be coming out of his slump. So that's a, that's a very good point on thirty four. Barn Barn turning it around, perhaps. I've got you four and seven on the A line, Frank. Three ten five six on the back line. Does that sound about right? That does. Yes. Excellent. All right, let's proceed to race number eight. We've got uh, some graded stakes action in the form of the Chillingworth. Phillies and Mares three and up, six and a half on the dirt, and a field of seven. Duke Batiste, who's your idea of the winner? My idea of the winner is a little bit of handicapping, and it's a little bit of a, a route, because I know the owner of the number one clearly unhinged on, who ran probably on one of the most, I don't want to really go into it too much, but probably the worst days of racing probably that I've yes. ever been at. Yes. Um, she ran in the test, and that that race was one of the worst things I ever saw in my entire life. I was standing at the finish line, and uh, I just couldn't believe my eyes when uh, when the the horse uh, just maybe could it melt a tragic demise. Yeah. And I and I had to, I had to watch the trainer, and I had to watch the owner, uh, Bill Parcells. It was just uh, it was really just something that really you can't you can't ever control and and it was just uh, something that i'll never forget but uh, but anyway in that case i thought the source clearly unhinged ran a hell of a race because i was i was in the paddock with the owners and uh and they were super excited and, and they're talking breeders cup which i'm surprised at but um so they have big plans for this horse and she ran a hell of a race she actually got in a little bit of trouble in that race and when you know when the metal horse uh, she shied away. Whether she would have won, I think she would have held off of um, pretty mischievous if um, the incident didn't happen. So anyway, I like clearly unhinged here. Uh, I don't love the post, uh, but she's got enough tactical speed. I think where Elm Drive will probably go to the lead, and uh, Etta will stalk, and she can somehow she can somehow ease out of that pocket and uh, make one run. I, I like her. I mean, I'm scared of Ida. Ida's obviously uh, the horse to beat in here, but four to five is not my style. And if I had to throw in a third, I'd throw in Lady T because uh, trips lately have been very strange. It's like weird for, I mean, I know Mike Smith likes to give some of those 
wide, safe rides. But last time it was ridiculous where he was. He was so far out in the track. He was like six, seven path. And not sure what the hell he was doing. Um, but anyway, that would be my third choice. So looking at that one, one, five, and seven. Frank, let's bring the favorite up for discussion. Ida, who Duke mentioned, are you with or against in this spot? Yeah, I, I wish the post positions were reversed for Elm Drive and Ida. Um, I really wanted to take on Ida uh, in this sequence because, I mean, it's, it's terrific and terrific as she's been. I mean, how can you knock a horse who's who's shown her body of work recently? I mean, was she won seven, seven in a row or something like that? Um, and she's going to get, you know, the perfect trip sitting off Elm Drive. But I don't know. I wasn't super duper impressed by the way she finished up that last race. You know, maybe it's a, a case where she's, you know, run a couple of hard races in a row and might regress just a little bit. She was a little shifty in the lane. She didn't really gallop out all that strongly, in my opinion. Uh, you know, that being said, she didn't really have to. You know, she won pretty easily. Uh, so um, I don't know, though. Just I'm, I'm left a little little cold by that last race, especially if she's going to be such a short price. I, mean, I think she's going to be shorter than four to five in a year. Um, so I, I don't know. I The obvious way to look at this race is that Elm Drive is going to go. Eat is going to sit right off. And either Eater's going to blow the door, doors off Elm Drive or some, they're going to duel and someone's going to come flying late. And, you know, pick up the pieces like clearly unhinged or, you know, maybe even Kirsten Bosch or, you know, even Lady T. Uh, but I was going to try to be a little contrarian here and go, you know what? Ricky Gonzalez is going to go pedal to the metal on Elm Drive. Juan Hernandez is going to think he's got the measure of Elm Drive the whole way because, you know, he did two back, uh, you know, beat Elm Drive with a, with that kind of like stock, stock outside trip. And, you know, maybe Elm Drive sneaks away a little bit. Maybe Ricky, you know, as they're leaving the backstretch, gets a little separation. And, you know, this horse will be super fit coming out of that, you know, Clement Hirsch, uh, the eight-nair furlong race. I love that cutback, you know, for an elongated sprint. Um, so I was I was going to be a little, you know, little contrarian here. And I was going to make Elm Drive my single uh, in this race. Uh, and, you know, certainly you could use, you know, one, three, five, and, you know, to, to even mention Lady T if you wanted to. But, uh, I felt like planting a flag here with, uh, you know, with, with a horse that I think a lot of people aren't going to use because, you know, like I said, you look at this race objectively, it doesn't really set up all that well for Elm Drive on paper with Eda right outside, figuring Eda's going to be breathing down her neck. But I don't know. I'll try to be a little, maybe too clever by a half in your feet. We'll see. I mean, it just depends on how the how the tactics could go. I could see. I mean, I think if I was giving jockey instructions for Ada, I wouldn't want to goof around. I would want to go to the lead. But, you know, how often do we see uh, jockeys grab when in situations where we uh, horse players feel that aggressive tactics would be better? How, how do you see the tactics playing out here? Do you think Ada will gun Duke? Usually Baffert doesn't take a back seat, you know, in these type of races. He usually goes so... I don't know. I don't, do you believe Elm Drive will be three to one? I thought that was a very low morning line, um, in my opinion. I thought Elm Drive. That's why I think Frank's got a good point. But I think in a pick six, I don't three to one. I, I don't see that horse going off three to one. I see that horse going off like six or seven to one. You know what I mean? I think like, you might get more. The, the, whatever happens in the wind pool, I feel like that's the value you're going to get. Right. Uh, horizontals, especially. I feel like both of your top picks are excellent separators potentially. I mean any. If you can beat the this odds on Baffert, you're you're going to be in very good shape. I mean, personally, after hearing your this this discussion, 
I might try to use both of yours and then just have, you know, Ida as a backup. If I'm right, if I'm absolutely right everywhere else, I don't need to be a hero, try to beat that one. But I don't need on every ticket uh, based on the cases you guys are making. And well, I'd Frank be- was right. The, Ida was strangely running, running strangely in the stretch last time. I mean, I don't know what the heck she was doing. So something might be amiss there. I I, I don't know. And, and I'm not taking that chance at two or three to five and, and uh, probably 90% of the pick six tickets are probably single in her. So right. for me, it's, it's, it's a no brainer to take a shot at somebody, you know, you, so you got to take a shot with somebody here and, uh, and just hope cause that's going to make the ticket pay 10 times more than it, than it, than it would. Yeah, neither no stranger to physical issues, right? We're dealing with this four-year-old, but who had a 400-day layoff earlier in the career and has now come and put up three big efforts. As Frank mentioned, I mean, just incredibly impressive when you just look at the bare form and figures going for the going for the eight-peat here. But uh, some reasons to to take on, and I do sometimes think those subtle little things, how they hit the wire, what they do after the wire, that can sometimes tell. Uh, they could be touting themselves or or touting against themselves. For the next start, of course, would it be the first time Bob Baffert has kicked sand in my face and stuffed me in a locker? No, it would not. <laughs> but uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you, you, you gotta take some stands in this game for sure. One more race to talk about: race number nine, Maiden Claimers, sixty-two-five level, a mile on the turf. When it comes to this opening day return of the one-dollar pick six, Frank, how are we getting paid? Yeah, this is a really cool. Uh race to end the sequence on um you know i thought it was pretty competitive i have a little bit of a wise guy playing here i thought number eight chief's blanket at 12 to one one of two doug o'neill horses was a little sneaky you know the west coast form looks a little dirty to me you know first off his two socal races both came against winners okay so he really never in it to win he didn't have a great shot to win those races anyway but you know in both of those races, he kind of made a little bit of a move, which showed me that, you know, the horse isn't terrible. And I expect him to do the same thing today, kind of track the pace, make that move. And he's facing much, you know, much uh, uh, less talented horses here running for the tag in a maiden race as opposed to running against winners in, in the last two races. You know, when you race against that kind of competition, I think the horse will be fit, uh, you know, dropping in class third start of the form cycle, the Blakers come off. I just thought that horse looked super duper sneaky. Um, you know, I think the horse to beat, assuming a horse is fit, we'll have to see, you know, with the workout say, but number two, uh, six magpies comes off a very, very long layoff. Uh, he gets class relief. He ran respectably in a maiden special weight last November. He's a four-year-old. He gets Lasix, um, you know, gets a, an equipment change with the blinkers uh, you know, I, and, you know, I like to circle those final times, uh, in my form and this horse, you know, came on very, very respectably in, uh, this horse's first start in the country, uh, did run, like I said, ran in the main special wing is now running for a tag. You don't like to see that. They don't typically bring horses here from overseas to run for a tag. Uh, but you know, I thought that horse showed enough ability in that, in that one race to be a major factor in here. And then, you know, I was very spready underneath. I'll just throw out some numbers and, um, you know, just, just so you have them, uh, one, three, six, nine, and 10. I all thought they had shots as well. Uh, but my two top picks were going to be the two and the eight. We are going to get to Duke's picks in a minute. I just did want to say we had a, a quick question from Richard in the comments about the $3 turf pick three. 
That's a cool innovation that's happening this meet at Santa Anita, something we'll be paying attention to in a lot of our coverage, in addition to this $1 pick six. That's a bet that kicked off at Keeneland a few years ago, and uh, I've seen some some tremendously overlaid payouts in it, and that could be for a number of reasons we'll, we'll tackle in other forms. But we got that going on. Also, just wanted to give a shout, especially to the folks who are watching live. We got a ton of live stuff happening on YouTube. It'll all be archived and put on, or most of it will be archived and put on our regular In the Money media feeds. But we've got a Horse Player Happy Hour coming up at 4 o'clock today. We've got a special race lens show looking at some of the Breeders' Cup preps with me and Matt Bag Volgi. And then I'll be back tomorrow with the Chappie, Jeff Chappie uh, Chapman, and Scotty McKeever looking at some of the races on Saturday at Santa Anita. So whether you're watching through the Santa Anita YouTube page or their social media or our stuff here at, at In the Money, uh, keep it uh, keep tuned to everything we've got going on. With those plugs given, we bring it back to Duke to ask him what he thinks about this uh, this this nightcap where contention certainly seems to run pretty deep. Yeah, wondering what in the world uh, the owner of Chief's Blanket was thinking. Frank makes a good point. I mean, don't we have a ship and win thing here in California where you ship in and you run in the spot you want running because you get a bonus and they ran them against winners both times? What is don't really understand. in claiming races, right? I mean, this isn't a book thing. This isn't the, there was no race in the book, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I mean, even if there wasn't, you run made in special weight at least, or you run against non-winners, but I don't know, whatever. The horse has a chance just based on, you know, it was in terrible spots. It's been, it always been, and it's been in terrible spots. So anyway, I'm going to go, uh, this race is interesting. The six horse Belmont Bill is going to be the speed of the race. Now, Belmont Bill, if you've ever seen him run at Santa Anita, usually opens up about 15 lengths on the back. Um, I, I don't know why, but that's just what he does. So we're going to, we are going to have pace again in, in a turf race at Santa Anita. I don't think he'll win Belmont Bill. Uh, I've seen him stop, you know, with huge leads and not even going that fast. So I don't think he'll win. That being said, it's going to throw a monkey wrench into this race because these races where horses open up, they get a little bit crazy because the chasers sometimes win because, you know, because he stops so bad. So they inherit the lead or a horse comes from way back. So this race could be nuts. The two horse that Frank mentioned, six magpies. I, I did watch the workout on XBTV. Uh, this morning and he dusted a horse that was not a great workmate but just absolutely i mean just dusted him by like eight lengths in a five for a long workout so i'm not sure why they would drop if the horse worked that well and that first race against one more bid if one more bid ran this race he'd win by 15 lengths so um i'm not sure about that drop that worries me a little bit but i, I mean i love the horse based on four um the other horse I like a little bit is um, Captain Chuchis. Now, Captain Chuchis, I, I I can't believe Tyler Bays is back in California, which uh, is a big surprise to me. But anyway, this horse has got turf braiding. He's never ever been on the turf. Uh, two of the two foals from that mare have uh, run, three of one, and two of them have run very well. And this horse has showed that he can run on the dirt a little bit. So um, running competitive figures on the dirt compared to the turf is usually a good sign. And like I mentioned earlier, George Papadromo had a terrible, terrible Del Mar meet. Terrible. I think he was two for 80. And this horse, if he runs on the grass and doesn't even, doesn't even have to improve, he just has to just run a little bit, you know, equal or a little bit better on the grass. This horse could be a huge, huge price. I don't love the post, 11 post, but 
I've seen Tyler once in a while put these horses into a pocket type scenario, send them out of there and put them in, you know, put them up close. And I'm just hoping that somehow that horse can get, if Belmont Bill goes on one of these terrors, you know, this horse won't be in such a bad spot sitting a, a second or third type trip. And maybe he stops and that one inherits the lead. So I like two and 11. Um, other mentions would be the 10 auto line picks up Hector Berrios, which if anybody's been watching Southern California turf racing, Hector Berrios does a tremendous, tremendous job of saving ground and making one run. So he'd be my third choice. And that horse that Frank mentioned, Chief's Blanket. I don't know. I just have to throw it in just because of the spots it's been in. So 2, 11, 10, 8 would be the ones that I would be interested in the last. Terrific stuff, guys. Really appreciate that insight into race design. That idea that having that speed to potentially stretch out the field means that horse might be able to drop in from the outside. That's something, you, a nugget you can use in this race and you can use in a lot of races in your handicapping. And then I think the key point for me, Duke, about Captain Chuchis with the speaking of eccentric names, is at the price that one's going to be. I'm much less worried about dinging the horse for for the tough post. You'll be compensated, I think, in yeah. terms of. I mean, it's got to be close to twenty to one. I would think. I would think that's probably about right, and, especially and, in a pick six scenario. Yeah, well, great stuff, guys. This is terrific. Looking very much forward to having you back during this uh, brief but exciting Santa Anita meet as we can get the job done, and hopefully we can pull you guys in and sucker you into becoming part of our Breeders' Cup coverage as well. I want to thank our friends at uh, at Santa Anita so much for sponsoring this video. We're going to have another one tomorrow. That's going to be a live show starting at 9 Eastern. If you want to join us live, it'll also be archived on Santa Anita YouTube, in the Money YouTube, and you can get it on our channels in audio form as well. For Frank Scatoni and Duke Matisse, I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos.